October 20th, 2007 in Ajwan, United Arab Emirates. Cave cartels? So what time do you want to stop? No. I'm asking you, when, what, what is, what works well for you? Maybe 9.30 or Huh? Maybe 9.30 or 10. Oh, yeah. 
So I'm wondering, I, I did plan something, but I'm wondering if maybe we should just have an open question and answer. Because I, you know, I planned a, a little talk, but um, I'm thinking, you know, sometimes with a small group like this, it might be better if we just uh, work with what you're concerned about. Does that sound all right? Yes. Do all of you know English well? Does everyone here understand English? Yeah. <coughs> you all understand English? Yes. Yes? Yes? No? I know it's a work day, you're all tired. But okay, if I talk too fast, you please tell me. Right? And if I say anything that you don't understand, if there's any word I use that you're not familiar with, please ask me. Okay? Is 
that all right? Can you all hear me? So why don't we just have general questions and answers? Is that okay? So what would you like to know? What should we talk about? Yes? Go ahead. So how can we improve our sadhana? How can we improve our sadhana? That was exactly what I was going to talk about. <laughs> so now I'll get out my list of what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Is that all right? I mean, could we just imagine, let's say that we had a life where we were really absorbed in Krishna. I mean, that's why we came to the Hare Krishna movement, or at least that's why we stayed. Maybe we came out of curiosity. But we stayed because we want to be absorbed in Krishna, isn't it? Do we all want to make our life perfect? Are we convinced that the material world is miserable? Anybody have any doubts? Were any, were any of you at the class that I gave in Dubai about a week ago on Friday? Were any of no. you there? Anybody was there? You were there. Anybody else? Was there? So suppose we could be in a place where we didn't have to die, we didn't have to get old, we never got sick, there were no traffic jams, didn't get too hot, there's desire trees, cows that give abundant milk all the time, and we get to see God himself face to face. So that's why we're here, right? Uh, just like uh, many of you have come here from India because you've heard and you may experience that there's more opulence here than in India, right? You're here for the opulence. <laughs> just like people want to go to America. So years ago I was preaching in Trinidad. You know where Trinidad is? It's a little island right off of South America. Half the population is Indian, half is African. And the Indians think they're better than the Africans, and the Africans think they're better than the Indians. Hardly any white people there. So there, there's signs everywhere, go to New York. Everywhere you go in Trinidad, there's big signs. Fly to New York, special deal. And of course, when you're in New York, there's big signs everywhere, go to the Caribbean. <laughs> But everybody wants to go to some nice place. So they hear, oh, in the Persian Gulf, you make more money. The streets are cleaner. The government is better. So leave India and come there. And people here are imitating America. Everywhere I see. America and, and London. So the point is, if we hear about a nicer place, naturally we want to go there. Everybody... So what to speak of, we hear about the spiritual world. 
So then we find out that if I want to go to the spiritual world, what does Krishna say in the eighth chapter? Yam yam vapis maram bhavam twajachyante kalevaram tam tam eva tikantaya saratam bhava bhavita that we go wherever we want to go. So Krishna is very, um, he's kind of like a very liberal father. He gives his children whatever they want. So the first thing in improving our sadhana is, my dear Vaishnavas, Vaishnavis, we have to decide what we want because we're going to get whatever we want. This the whole material and spiritual world is designed so you get whatever you want. And you may say, well, I don't have whatever I want, and I will humbly disagree and say, no, we have what we want. What we actually want. Because what you actually want, you'll work for. A person says, yes, I want to make a lot of money, and then they just sleep on their chair all day. So that's not actually a desire. A desire doesn't mean a wish. A desire means something that drives you. Now, how is it that we get whatever we want? Whatever we desire, Krishna in the heart knows what we desire, and he gives us the intelligence how to achieve it. So it's not that in the spiritual world you get what you want immediately, you don't have to work for it. Why? Because in the spiritual world we're good citizens. Because everything you want in the spiritual world is beneficial. A lot of things we want in this world are harmful to us and others, so that we're not immediately given them. But even in this world, whatever we want, Krishna from in the, within the heart, he gives us the intelligence. Like he says in Bhagavad Gita, if you want to worship the devas, he'll give you faith to do that. So whatever we want, Krishna will give us the intelligence to achieve that. And if we already have the good punya, we'll, we'll get it immediately. And if we don't, he'll give us the guidance how to acquire the credit to achieve our desire. Now that's true both materially and spiritually. If you want to become wealthy and have a Mercedes Benz, if that's your real desire, then the Lord in the heart will give you opportunities to earn the good karma so that you will get that. Now maybe that you will not be able to earn that in this life. Depends what you already have. You follow? It may take more than one life but you will get it. And in the same way, if we want to achieve bhakti, Krishna will give us the instructions, the good intelligence, how to get that. So the first thing is, one must have the desire. Why are we doing sadhana? <laughs> because we want to achieve Krishna. And if our sadhana is not good, you know, turn your back to it. If our sadhana is not good, then the first thing this means is what? Well, there, there can't say there's no desire. If our sadhana is not good, means the desire is not strong. It's not complete. So that's okay. Don't hate yourself for that. Actually, when the desire is complete, then we get prem bhakti immediately. That's the definition of greed. In fact, the whole purpose of sadhana is to increase our desire. The whole reason we're sitting now and talking about Krishna is to increase our desire. The reason we're chanting is to increase our desire. The reason, Because as soon as we desire Krishna and nothing but Krishna, we will have him. Why? Because he wants us. It's like you love your child, right? 
You love your child? You love your child? Does your child have to work to get your love? It's there automatically, correct? So also Krishna loves us. We don't have to do anything for Krishna to love us. Do you like being with your child? You don't like being with your child? Yeah. So Krishna also likes being with us. He likes it very much. So all we have to do is want to be with him and we'll be with him. That's So the problem is we want that and we want other things also. That's the problem. It's mixed. So everything is meant to, and it, it, it builds on itself. The more I desire, the more I'll give my priority to sadhana. The more I give my priority to sadhana, the more it will increase my desire. The more it will, my desire increases, the more I will want to do sadhana. One devotee asked Prabhupada, how do we know we're chanting good rounds? Prabhupada said, you, you counting? You can, they said, no, no, how do we know it's good quality? Prabhupada said, you cannot talk about quality. You just count. <laughs> and the devotee kept asking, and Prabhupada said, quality means that 16 rounds is not enough. You want your chance 16,000 rounds. So the beginner is thinking, oh, now I finished my rounds, now I can do what I want to do. And the advanced devotee is thinking, when can I finish all my other business and chant more? In other words, the desire is increasing. The desire is increasing. The desire is increasing. So not long ago, I met one devotee who has this intense desire. She was telling me, she said, yes, you know, one day I, when I got up, I just started chanting, and I just was chanting and chanting. And I was chanting all day, and I was just chanting all night until I chanted 179 rounds. So that's Ruchi. In other words, one has a strong desire. I met one other devotee like this many years ago, and uh, I was flying to India, and he and his family were giving me a ride to the airport. So I asked them, you know, have you ever been to India? And he said, well, yes, I just went for the first time in May to Vrindavan. So for you, May in Vrindavan is not hot, because here it's even hotter. But for a Westerner especially, to go to Vrindavan for the first time in May is very extraordinary. And I said, so you went in May? I said, well, how, what did you do? It's so hot. He said, well, I went to the Samadhi and I asked Prabhupada to give me shelter. And some devotees gave me some nice instruction about chanting. And so I just sat and chanted. I said, well, how much did you chant? He said, oh, 120, 150 rounds a day. <coughs> I said, how did you do that? He said, the holy name is my friend. How could I not do it? So we're meant to come to that point. So the first thing to have good sadhana is to put us in situ, to be in situations where we will increase our desire. So how do we increase our desire? What are the ways, I'm asking, what are the ways we can increase our desire? Okay, we want to associate with people who have a stronger desire than ourselves. By the way, what I found is that it really helps to associate with people that we don't think are all the way up there. Because sometimes people who are all the way up there, we think they're not like us. Oh, they're pure devotee. We, we sort of dismiss them. 
Yes, they're, they can chant they, because they're pure. But I, it doesn't relate to ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, we read things in the Shastra. And, oh, well, Prahlad Maharaj, he can do that because he's pure. We don't, we don't take it as an example. It's quite interesting. So, of course, we want to associate with great Mahabhagavat devotees. But it's also very important. Uh, Rupa Goswami recommends, actually, many of the Acharyas, that we associate with people that are on a similar level to ourselves also. And my suggestion is you find someone who's a few notches above you, but you can relate to them. You see, they also, you know, they have some material attachment, they have some struggle, but they have a higher taste than you. And you think, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm very fortunate Krishna has, if you want those sort of people, because everything's based on desire. Everything's based on desire. Can you hear me? Yes. Am I speaking slowly enough? Yes. You promise you will tell me otherwise. Yes. You'll not just sit there and be bewildered. No. Please. Okay. And you can also hear me? Okay. Because the AC is on. Don't turn it off, but it's on and I don't have a mic. So. No, no, I'm fine. Uh, you might want to point the things up. Leave it on, but yeah, that's good. Okay, thank you. What? Oh, is there someone who doesn't know English? And they're not saying anything. They're just sitting there not understanding. Oh, he just came. You don't understand English? No English? Little. Um, you can translate. Can you do simultaneous or you want to do piece piece? Can you do? Have you done before? You've not done before? <coughs> then you cannot do simultaneous. It's very difficult. Simultaneous translation is very difficult. You need a lot of practice. Even piece piece is hard. But simultaneous is very difficult. Um, you only understand little. Yeah. How much are you getting? Like half, fourth? I will talk more slowly and I will make my language a little bit more simple. Okay? Does that help if I talk like this? Is that better for you? Can you understand more? Still no. I don't mind doing peace, peace. Is there anyone else who struggles with English or you're all of you others English is fine? You are okay also? You are the only one. I am I am so sorry. Can you do simultaneous have you ever translated before? No. Is there anybody here who has experience with translating? <laughs> I can tell you. 
That's not very useful. I have experience translating into Russian, you know, so this is very useful. Okay. You please excuse me, I do not know Tamil. Maybe another life, but not this one. So we want to try to increase our desire because also whatever we desire, that is what we will do, practically speaking. Correct? They have a saying, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, my dear friends, if we want to do something, we will find a way to do it. Just like you are all busy, you work hard, you drive many hours, but I'm sure all of you sleep. And I'm sure you brush your teeth. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure you take bath. I'm sure you eat. Correct? Yes. What I discovered is it's not time. It's energy and desire. It's energy. It's not time. Actually, we all have the time. You may say, no, you don't know my life. I don't have the time. I will promise you, you have the time. It is a question of energy. And we will give our energy to that which is important. So we will increase our desire by proper association. Are you understanding me a little better now? Still little. And we will increase our desire by hearing. We will also increase our desire by doing our sadhana nicely. If you're chanting with good attention and with heart and mind and soul, not just as a ritual, then Krishna will reciprocate with you and you'll want to do it more. But if you're chanting just mechanically, then Krishna's not very interested. You're mechanical with him? Well, then he'll be mechanical with you. And then you'll find that it's boring and you won't be so interested. Does that make sense? And you need to hear. You can say, well, I have no time to hear. So then again, necessity is the mother of invention. So very soon after I joined the Hare Krishna movement, I got married. And very soon after I got married, I had a child. So, but I wanted to hear. So we would record the class and I would listen to the recording. Or I, my husband would make a speaker in another room and I would go in the other room. And when I was at home, I would listen to Prabhupada's classes on recordings. I know one devotee who listens to uh, this, somebody reading Chaitanya Charitamrita. You can get recordings of people reading Prabhupada's books. And he listens in his car over and over. He knows the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita. He never opens the book. I know one other devotee. She was, she's gotten her PhD in astrophysics. And when she was getting her degree, she had to be far from a temple, far from devotees. So there was no like regular worship. So she told me she was chanting 32 rounds every day 
and she was listening. One devotee, Dravida, has recorded the whole Bhagavad Gita, Sanskrit, English purports, and she had this on. I'm fine. It's cold. Cold? In UAE, it's cold. It's a relief. It's a relief. The tiles are a relief. <laughs> but if you want to bring, that's fine. I'll, I will accept. I will accept if you like, but no, I'm, I'm very happy. Okay, if that will make you happy, then I will take it. So she got the Dravida Prabhu is recording the whole Bhagavad Gita. So she would have on a CD player and she would listen to it over and over and over when she was walking from one class to the next. Every time there was any minute, she would listen. And she said after a few years, she memorized the whole Bhagavad Gita like that. So hearing, hearing Prabhupada's lectures, some somehow or other hearing, something to increase one's desire. Maybe you can learn some bhajans, learn some bhajans of Bhaktivinoda, Narottamadas. You have some advantage because you speak Indian languages, so when I'm learning, it, it just sounds to me. But for you, it's that you're actually understanding. Bengali. That's a little, little similar, huh? Yeah, even Sanskrit is there. In some languages, most of these languages are Sanskrit. So Sanskrit, you mostly speak what? Yeah. What is mostly your language, Hindi? That's very different, huh? No, Malayalam is about around 70% Sanskrit. Sanskrit. And Tamil? Tamil around 40 So you can understand some. So you can sing the prayers of the, you know, learn some song. Even when you're at work, you can be singing the song in your head. Okay, so first thing is, is increase the desire. I promise you that if the desire is strong, immediately it will improve. So, but it goes, it goes like that. And another thing is to really try to appreciate the circumstance that you have. Often what we think is, just like a materialistic person is thinking, that they'll be happy if they adjust their circumstance. So a person is thinking, if I get more money, then I will be happy. If I get married, then I will be happy. Now if I have children, then I will be happy. When my children grow up, then I will be happy. When I get a good job, then I will be happy. When I retire from my job, then I will be happy. If I get a good boss, then I will be happy. If I have good health, then I will be happy. They're thinking their happiness depends on the outside. Does it work? Suppose you have everything. Does that mean you're happy? Maybe, for a few moments. But do, does, does, by finding these things, do we find unlimited happiness? Anyone experience unlimited happiness just from getting all these things? No. Actually, what happens is you get the things you want, and then you say, 
That's it? Isn't it? Very rich, famous people, they have this problem. They get, you know, so much money, so much fame, they're beautiful, so many things, and they say, that's it? <laughs> you know, it's a thrill for a moment. And then also it becomes old. You know, you eat ice cream for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. After a while, you don't even want to look at the ice cream anymore, or you don't even notice, right? So the outside circumstance is not the source of our happiness. And sometimes in spiritual life, we think that way, that when my circumstances are perfect, then I will be Krishna conscious. So it's the same thing, actually, but we just put a little spiritual paint on it. And we think it's spiritual. And when I can retire, then I'll be Krishna conscious. I'm not Krishna conscious because I'm a grahasta. But my dear friends, there's no material situation that is perfect for your spiritual life. It does not exist. So just like you may think, well, it's the reason that I can't do good sadhana is I have a job, I have a family. But look at the traveling preachers. Are there, is their situation ideal for their sadhana? Is it? So just like today, I had to chant some japa on an airplane. Is that the best place to chant japa? No. Sometimes I'm traveling 30 hours at a time. In 30 hours I can't even take a bath. I have to sleep on the airplane seat. I have to do my puja in my mind because I can't touch the deity. Is that ideal for sadhana? Gayatri hmm? is difficult. You have to do Gayatri when you're not clean. What can you do? You take bath by chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> no, no, you have to chant Gayatri. You take you bathe with Hare Krishna. No, sir, that's in the Shastra. If you cannot take bath with water, you take bath by chanting Hare Krishna. The time. What do you do? <coughs> Not only stationary, how do you figure out the sun dip? So you're, you're flying and the sun keeps rising. <laughs> and you have to decide when is it noon? Is it noon where I came from? Or is it noon where I'm going? Or is it noon where I am? So sometimes in 24 hours you're chanting four Gayatri, sometimes you're chanting two. And you have to decide when does the day start? When am I finishing yesterday's rounds and starting today's rounds? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult. But no, you think Krishna's a person. My guru's a person and Krishna's a person. They understand I'm doing this for preaching. No, I always chant my Gayatri when I travel. But sometimes I'm not sure, you know, what is the... Stationary, Hare Krishna. So my point is, what situation is ideal for? That's in the spiritual world. 
When Krishna says, Abrahma, Bhuvana, Loka, Punar, Varjana, Arjuna, everything's miserable. Also, nothing here is exactly suitable for spiritual life. So if you're waiting, just like the materialists, they're waiting to have the perfect situation to be happy. So if we're waiting to have the perfect situation to be Krishna conscious, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. Because it won't happen. And you take one body after another, you know. This situation, that situation. So whatever situation you're in, use that. Every situation has parts of it that are good for Krishna consciousness. I'll give you an example. So when my uh, first child was born, so I was always lamenting, you know, why can't I be a Sankirtan devotee? Because I used to be a book distributor. And the preaching then was only the preachers can be Krishna conscious. Everybody was preaching like that. So I was thinking my life is useless. I can't do any temple service. You know, I can't go out preaching. So I thought I have no Krishna consciousness. But we lived right across from the temple. So I was attending the whole morning program at the temple, the whole evening program at the temple. And we were taking our prasad at the temple, so I didn't need to cook. And we had a very small flat. I could clean it in half an hour. And we had no furniture. So what was I going to do all day? Because I went to the home morning program. I was chanting all my rounds in the morning. So all day I was just reading Prabhupada's books and listening to Prabhupada's lectures. I was reading Prabhupada's books maybe four to six hours a day. And I was listening to lectures three or four hours a day. So you can say, what a nice situation. But when I was in the situation, I thought that it was not a good situation. I thought, oh, I'm not doing preaching like I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just in Maya at home with my baby. And it wasn't for many, many years that I could understand how much fortune that I had. So the first thing I'm saying is increase your... The first thing is increase your... I'm getting a little better. First thing is increase your... Oh, okay. I was wondering. I thought, did I explain that or not? Next thing is appreciate what you have. Appreciate what you have. Don't lament for what you don't have and don't hanker. Whatever you have, appreciate it. Every situation has some wealth, spiritual wealth. So you have a long commute, you can listen in the car. Everything has some benefit to it. Find the benefit. Find the wealth and, and appreciate that and, shall we say, exploit that. Use your whatever... Whatever advantage you have, use that fully. Concentrate on your advantages. Don't concentrate on your disadvantages. Everyone has advantages and disadvantages. Just like you have Indian body, so that's an advantage because you have a natural inclination for spiritual culture. It's also a disadvantage. Disadvantages, you think you already know everything. Or you may have bad habits. You may have already read the Bhagavad Gita with wrong interpretations. Or you have been accustomed to 
so many other kinds of things. Like here I see a very nice altar, but some of you have what I call the supermarket altar. <laughs> you want to make sure you get every Dave Davy in the universe. So you may have some bad habits. You follow? So your situation is an advantage and a disadvantage. So that I'm an American, I have a disadvantage. I don't have the samskars. I have bad culture, so I'm asking you to excuse me. Any behavior I have that is rude and uncultured, please excuse me. I have tried to learn proper culture, but I've decided it's like dyeing your hair. When someone dyes their hair, you can always tell it's dyed, right? It looks artificial, and the roots show. So I try to act cultured, but my American roots are always showing. So you please excuse me. So this is my problem. My downside, I don't have the sum scars. But good side is, I came with nothing, and therefore whatever Prabhupada told me, that I accept. I, I don't have these misconceptions. You understand? Yes. And I came with some humility that I don't know. I didn't come thinking I know. Of course, I don't have any humility. But you understand what I'm saying. I had no idea I already know. So my point is every situation <coughs> has its good side, its bad side. You have a man's body that has some advantages. You have a woman's body that has some advantages. <coughs> and each has some disadvantages. So you focus on your advantage. So don't think about, focus on that. What do I have in my life that makes my sadhana easy? Not what do I have in my life that makes my sadhana hard? If you're always thinking, oh, I have this problem and this problem and this reason why I can't chant nicely and this reason why I can't hear. Instead, you think, what do I have that will enable me to hear more? What do I have that will enable me to chant more? What do I have that will enable to, me to associate more? So, so far we have increase your desire and appreciate what you have. Okay. Next thing is to be creative. Be creative. If you can't read a book, listen to a book on a CD. You know, if you can't be with devotees, be with devotees on the internet. So there are now many temples that broadcast the morning program live. Uh, North Carolina, Alachua, Florida, Los Angeles, I think Chalpati. There's a morning program live from London where they even chant Japa together on the computer. My we're also now is live. So my experience is that when you listen to a live morning program on the internet, it's much more enlivening than listening to a recording. I'm not sure why, but there was a long time, few years, when I would go to my local temple and their program ended very early, by 7.30 in the morning. So I'd go home and I'd listen to the class in Alachua, which at my time was 8 o'clock, then I would listen to the class from Los Angeles, which by my time then was 10.40. So I was hearing three live classes. And what I found was that I started feeling like I was part of those communities. Even sometimes I would write a question by email to the class speaker. 
After a while, they would tell each other, you know, Ermi was listening to the class. And it was very enlivening. So here you don't have a regular temple, but you can be creative. Now find other ways, uh, somehow or other. You know, also, if you have to chant japa in a difficult circumstance, uh, still, you can chant japa with attention and love. Don't chant mechanically just because your circumstances are difficult. Uh, just like, so maybe some of you have been in love with somebody, some other person in this life. So maybe uh, when you first got married, you were really in love. I hope. Or when you first have a child, when the child's first born. So when the baby's first born, you're thinking about the baby all the time, isn't it? Right? The first week or so, especially. Even you're in the other room, you're always thinking, who is taking care of my child? How is my child? Or when a boy and girl are in love, they're always thinking, isn't it? Or if you heard your mother was sick. So, warm one, oh thank you. So let's say that you just got a phone call and you heard, my, oh your mother is very sick. Then could you think about your mother even when you're driving? Are you following me or not? Yeah. So even you're driving, even you're at work, you'd be thinking, how is my mother doing? How is my mother doing? You follow? Yeah. No matter what you'd be, you'd be thinking, I hope she's okay, I hope she's okay, I have to call her. Does that make sense? So when there's attachment, I can have my mind and my heart there, even if I am a distance, even if I am very busy, You'd be in some big meeting at work and you'd be thinking, how is my mother? So when we develop attachment for Krishna, actually we all have attachment. We all have attachment. Right now we have attachment to so many things. This is gonna be hard because it's so full. So if I try to drink this, I will probably just take a bath. <laughs> All we have to do is transfer the object of our attachment. Oh, don't worry. I'm fine. No problem. Now I have water and towel and... So just like, please think about, I'd like you right now to think about whatever person you have some attachment for. You think about this person, you care about this person, or if you don't have anyone like that now, someone in the past. Can you think about somebody like that? You have some affection for them, some attachment. Does everyone have somebody like that? So your family, your hometown. Now, 
You so you pick can you pick some living being for whom you have some attachment? Can everyone pick somebody? Can you think about that that person right now, okay? When you think about them, how do you feel? How do you feel actually in your body? Yeah. Right here. How do you feel? Does it feel kind of warm and sort of like open? Are you with me or like yes. are you yes. half of you sleeping? Yes. Getting these looks from people. Like, <laughs> okay, I can't I can't do Krishna consciousness for you. Okay? I can I can help you, but we have to do this ourselves. Everybody's flying their own plane. Okay. Please think about some person right now that you have some feeling of affection. You should actually feel it. Can you feel it? Yes. Okay. So I have so many people, but right now I'm thinking of one of my grandchildren. And as soon as I, as soon as I, I immediately I, I want to smile. Yeah. You feel like that? Yeah. I just, at seeing her face, I want to smile, and I'm feeling some, some warmth in my heart. So why, are we, why do we feel affection for somebody? This is explained by Shukadev Goswami in the Brahma Vimohan Lila. Because actually each living entity is part of Krishna. So the reason we're feeling some affection is that that person is part of Krishna. And they're a little part of Krishna. So really, the reason we're feeling affection is what we're attracted to is Krishna. That's actually what we're attracted to. Or even if you were attached to something. Now I'd like you to think of some object you're attacked, attached to. Like I'm attached to my computer. <laughs> I'm even attached to this bag. It's practical, it's pretty. I like it. I'm attached to it. If I lost it, it would, I wouldn't like it. I know where it is, wherever I put I'm always My consciousness is always aware, where did I put my bag? I have some attachment to my computer. I know where my computer is. I always know where is my computer. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So even a thing, what does Krishna tell us? Earth, water, fire, air, ether, all these things are all Krishna. Why am I attached to this bag? Why am I attached to my computer? I like this bag because it's pretty. But how much of Krishna's beauty is displayed here? A tiny bit. And still I have some attachment. What to speak of then, how attached I can be to Krishna. If I can have attachment for a computer, if I can have attachment for a bag, or maybe you're attached to a car, or maybe you're attached to some, you know, your washing machine. I know one devotee who's very attached to her washing machine. I'm very serious, she really is. She just moved like 5,000 miles and she had her washing machine shipped. <coughs> so all these things are a little part of Krishna. Therefore, our real attachment is to Krishna. So we all know what is attachment. We are all experiencing a shakti or attachment. Change your attachment to Krishna. Now, if you're attached to Krishna, then you can chant nicely and you can hear nicely even if... or go outside and talk. So, 
If you're attached to Krishna, then you can pay attention to Krishna, even if you're driving, even if you're on a bus, wherever you are. Wherever you are. Just like I know where my computer is, even when I'm on the plane. I don't forget. I know where my bag is. I know where my passport is. Even if I'm sleeping on the plane, I'm always holding my bag with my passport. I don't forget even when I'm sleeping. So if I can do that for a passport, if I can do that for a bag, if I can do that for my granddaughter, then I can do it for Krishna. It's not a different process. It's just a different object. Yes. Yes, Prabhupada explains this in Nectar Devotion. He said we have love, and we have to expand that love to the proper object. So whatever circumstances you're in, obviously there's some better circumstances for chanting than others. Obviously. But like the devotees ask Prabhupada, is it better, can you make more Krishna conscious advancement if you're a brahmachari living in the ashram? Prabhupada said that depends if his mind is on a different subject matter. <laughs> Sometimes when we're in a perfect situation, we become lazy. And we think, yes, now I'm in Vrindavan, I'm with devotees, I don't have to try so hard. Sometimes when you're in a difficult situation, you have impetus to try harder. Now you can use a difficult situation as an excuse. No, I can't chant nicely because I have to drive. I can't chant nicely because I have to be on the bus. Or you can say, because I have to be on the bus, because I have to drive, how much more attention do I have to give to my kids? And it is certainly possible. So be creative and develop that attachment. Okay, what else did I write down here? I was talking about appreciation, but also one should have a positive focus. Prabhupada says a rich person doesn't need to drive away poverty separately. Think, well, what does that mean? Well, of course a rich person doesn't need to drive away poverty separately. Why is Prabhupada even saying this? So often what we try to do is uh, get rid of our negative things. <coughs> Instead, focus on the positives. Focus on the positive. Make a mental picture of yourself chanting good japa. This is also a way of increasing the desire. <coughs> Instead of thinking, oh, I have this problem for my sadhana, this problem for my sadhana, think, what would it be like if starting tomorrow, why don't we do this right now? Everybody, let's imagine what it would be like if starting tomorrow, you know, let, let's, let's let make a picture in your mind. So there you are tomorrow, you're chanting Hare Krishna, and while you're chanting Hare Krishna, you're hearing every word of the mantra. You're really hearing the mantra, and you're giving your heart to Krishna. Just see yourself doing this tomorrow, okay? And as you're doing that, Krishna's leelas start to manifest in your heart. You start to see how Krishna's filling up the fruit vendor's basket of jewels. You're seeing how he's playing in the Yamuna. 
He's seeing how Mother so is tying him up. <coughs> and while all these pastimes are manifesting, you're feeling so much <coughs> ecstasy, you can hardly control yourself. So do this regularly. This is a way of expressing to Krishna what you want. And whatever we desire, Krishna will fulfill. He will give you the means to fulfill. Imagine yourself as having achieved your goal. People do this in the material world all the time. Somebody starts in business and he makes a, a picture in his mind of I'm going to earn, you know, millions of, what do you have here? Dinams? Dinams? Durhams? Durhams? D-I-R-H-A? Durhams. 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 Where I used to live in America, there was a city named Durham. So, you know, some businessmen starting, and I'm going to earn millions of Durhams. Is that right? Durhams. The language here has lots of... And I'm going to have a big house, and I'm going to drive a Mercedes, and I'll cover my wife in diamonds. Aren't they doing this? They have some goal, and they're meditating on achieving that goal. They're fixed, yes, vision. They're fixed on that goal. <coughs> and because they're fixed on that goal, Krishna's giving them the intelligence how to achieve it. Maybe this life, other life. He's giving them the intelligence. This is how you can earn the punya to achieve your goal. Fix your mind on your goal. <coughs> Actually, we're already all pure. We're just dirty. We're, we're diamonds covered with mud, but the diamond is there. You can't really make a diamond dirty. You know? The dirt doesn't mix with the diamond. It's already there. <coughs> And the last thing I'm going to say, you may not like this. So, please don't be angry with me. And you can always decide that I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying this to the person next to you. <coughs> or you can decide she doesn't live here, she doesn't know what she's talking about, or whatever, you just disregard if you don't like this. But I'd like us to think for a minute, why are we in this, as I said, no situation is perfect for Krishna consciousness. You're not fun. But why am I in a situation that makes my sadhana difficult? So I think we need to ask ourselves this question. Why have I put myself in a situation that makes my sadhana difficult? There's a story in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of Megrari the hunter. You all know this story? So Megrari was half killing animals. And Narada Muni came and he said, who's half killed these animals? They were writhing in pain. And Megrari was very, this is a very uncomfortable seat. Megrari uh, was very proud of his business. And he came and said, I have done this. Right? Narada said, Listen, if you're going to kill animals, just do it. Don't have to do it. He said, why are you causing them unnecessary pain? He said, I learned this from my father. And then Narada Muni showed him a vision 
of all the animals that he had killed coming in another life and attacking him. And McGrory got a little scared. And he says, what can I do to be free? So Narada said, I will tell you how to become free, but first you, what did he have to do first? Stop him. Yeah, but he told him to do a very specific thing. To Stop take him. you or something and do something with it. To take your bow and throw it away. <laughs> take your bow and throw it away. So McGrory said, what would he say? No, he didn't say okay. <laughs> what did he say? This boy likely Yes. He said, if I throw away my bow, how will I live? Now, there's a very extraordinary purport there. Prabhupada says that the source of our income is not our job. The source of our income is God. The source of our income is Krishna. So... That can be according to your karma. If you're working under the law of karma, then how much money you get is already determined. Do you know what determines how much money you get? Do you know how that's decided? By how much charity you gave in another life. <coughs> and what kind of charity also. So uh, in other words, Krishna's decided that you can have money if you use it nicely. If you're going to use all the money just for yourself, he won't give you so much. Just like if you have more than one child. So if your child is sharing the toys with the other children and playing nicely, then you'll give them more toys. And if they're hoarding all the toys and they're hitting their brother over the head with their fire truck, then you'll take their toys away. So however much we give in charity, to that extent you get wealth in the next life. If you just give in charity, you get back equal. If you give to the more qualified the person to whom you give charity, the more it's returned. Prabhupada says if you give to a pure devotee, it's returned unlimitedly. I think if you give to a qualified Brahmin, it's returned a thousand times like that. But if you give to an ordinary person, you get back in equal measure. So our income can be by karma how much we've given in charity in the past. Or if we're not under the law of karma, then it's what Krishna personally wants to give us. Just like the father may give the son some money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Prabhupada says there our income is coming from Krishna and what we do to pick it up, that's all our choice. He said if you decide you want to be a hunter, you'll think hunting is the source of your income. If you decide to be a brahmana and teach, you'll think that teaching is the source of your income. But that he said that is just your choice. You can choose how you want to pick up the gift. But the gift is coming from Krishna. So what this means is that if you're sacrificing your sadhana for a particular job because you think, I have to have this job to earn this much money, then you're <coughs> an illusion. Because you're going to earn the same amount of money anyway. Or one can say, I'm going to have the same amount of happiness anyway. Maybe you'd earn less money, but you'd have the same standard of living or the same happiness. So, like, if people, if you're commuting two or three hours a day, and you're working ten hours a day, so you may be earning a lot of money, but you have the chance to enjoy that money. 
<coughs> so you buy a big screen TV, but you have no time to watch it. <coughs> you follow? <coughs> so all you're doing in your house is sleeping. When you're sleeping, you don't even know where you are. You don't know if you're in a nice house or not nice house. Right? So you're working so you can enjoy with your family, but husband is working, wife is working, they don't even see each other. You're working for your children, but you don't even see your children. Prophet says the man's leaving in the morning before the children wake up, coming back after they've gone to sleep. Or your children are in India. <coughs> you're earning for your children, but what's more important, money or daddy? <coughs> So maybe you're earning more, but your standard of living is, is, is going down. So these things are already fixed. How much material happiness we're going to get is already fixed. You cannot change it. You can shift the form. So instead of having nice time with your family, you'll have more money. You understand? That's how it works. But you'll not change it. So, are you sacrificing your sadhana for something that's illusory? What is the reason that you're sacrificing your sadhana? What, what, what are the choices you're making in your life? And do they really make any sense? Do you think that if you put Krishna first, you're going to suffer? Do we have so little faith? What are we putting first? You know, they say in management, so maybe some of you know I have a, one of my degrees is in management. So they say in management that you can judge the real priorities of a company by their spending patterns. So they may say in their vision statement, in their mission statement, these are our priorities. You want to know the real priorities? You see how do they spend their money. So you can also see our real priority, where do we put our time and energy? I say, yes, Krishna is the most important thing in my life. But look, what are our real priorities? And then you have to decide, is this what I want to have as my real priorities? Is this what I believe? We will get whatever we want. 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 If we're chanting Hare Krishna, even poorly, and our priority is, I want a nice home, I want a lot of money, well, guess what? You'll get that. Next life, maybe you'll be in heaven. Is that what you want? Do you want to have Krishna? <coughs> or maybe you'll get to take birth in America, you know? look like me. Is that what you want? I was born in a multi-millionaire family in America. I promise you, that's not, you know, you're not going to become happy. I was in Manhattan on Central Park West. <coughs> Our house was so big that a, a grand piano in the living room was almost like nothing. It was like these cartels in this room. It didn't bring me happiness. So 
they have to examine what do I want? How do I, where's my faith? If I put Krishna first, I think I'm going to be cheated, I'm going to be poor, I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be miserable if I put Krishna first. We're afraid. If I put Krishna first, what will happen to my job? What will happen to my family? Krishna will cheat me. Then I'll live on the streets. You follow? I'll have nothing. My family will fall apart. So this is a little difficult to say. As I say, you can, I'm probably not talking to you. I'm probably talking to the people who are not here. <laughs> but we really have to examine what's most important in my life. Just like uh, I had a real heavy realization of this many years ago. In the Nectar of Instruction, Prabhupada defines the Uttama Adhikari as someone who's always faithfully chanting their rounds, following the principles, and only thinking of how to preach Krishna consciousness. So that always confused me, because I thought, well, I know I'm not an Uttama Adhikari, because if I'm an Uttama Adhikari, I'll be experiencing a thrill of ecstasy at every moment. And I'll never be uh, affected by passion and ignorance. So I know I'm not a Uttamadhikari. But I'm always chanting my rounds, I'm following the principles, and I'm always thinking of how to preach Krishna consciousness. So I don't, I couldn't make any sense out of it. So then I read something by Satsuki Maharaj that really made it clear to me. He's saying, do you really want to preach? What is your first thing? And then I realized my first thing is thinking about body comforts. It really struck me. I was uh, going somewhere. I think I was going to Mayapur. I was on my way to Mayapur. And the devotees were driving me from the airport to the temple. And the first questions I asked them were not, so what seminars do you want me to give? What do the devotees need? First things I asked them is, where am I going to stay? <laughs> what time is prasadam? <coughs> where are the laundry facilities? And then after that was settled, then I asked about the preaching. <laughs> and then I could understand, okay, what, is, what are my priorities? You follow? Yes. So I'm not just harassing you, I'm, I'm speaking to myself also. That all of us, we have to think, what are my priorities? So we may be convinced of something intellectually to some extent, put your life in accord with that. Push yourself a little bit. Take a little, take a little leap of faith. Okay, you don't have to take a big leap. Not saying you have to immediately quit your job and take a little leap. Those of you who have children, so maybe you play this game with children. I don't know if you play this game here, where you put the child up on a high place and they jump and you catch them. You play this with your children, or you throw them in the air and you catch them. And the children enjoy it, right? Yeah. They say again, again, again. So when they're jumping, there's one second when they're in the air, right? Yeah. So often we say, first, I must see Krishna. First, I will have ecstasy. First, Krishna reveals himself to me. And then I will give up my attachments. <laughs> you have to jump. 
to close your eyes and jump with some faith that Krishna will catch you. Now don't jump beyond your capacity. I've said this before, there's like three circles. Inner circle is comfort, next is stretch, next is panic. So don't stay in the comfort and don't go to the panic, but go to the stretch. <coughs> See what you can do that's a little bit, taking a little leap of faith. Not more than you can handle, not so much that you go crazy. Okay, but a little bit. Make Krishna a little bit more priority in your life. See what happens. See if he catches you. Don't do it with fear. Okay, 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 okay. Not like that. Say, hey, Krishna, okay. Make sure it's something you can do. Okay, don't go beyond. But don't stay in the comfort zone. You all following what I'm saying? Do a little bit, and you'll see. Krishna will catch you. Then the next time, jump a little further, and you'll see. Krishna will catch you, and jump a little further, and Krishna will catch you. And make him the priority. And then guess what? He'll make you the priority. He'll be interested in you. And he'll show up. Don't you want him to show up? Isn't that the whole idea? You want him to come? Isn't that what we want? Don't we want Krishna to come? Yes. But if he's number 10 on our list, do you think he's going to come? Does that make sense? Does this all make sense? Okay. Materially, you're going to get what you're going to get. You have to work honestly. You have to do your duty. We have to follow our dharma, but following our dharma is not the cause of the result. You have a right to perform your prescribed duty, but you're not entitled to the fruits of action. Never consider yourself to be the cause of the results <coughs> of your activities, and never be attached to not doing your duty. So you do your duty. Do some honest labor. Robert said not working more than eight hours a day. Do some honest labor according to your varna and ashrama, and then trust that Krishna will take care. Whatever happiness you're going to get, you're going to get. Materially, that's not going to change. And make Krishna the priority. Is it something like the austerity of whatever you do is what you do for Lord The austerity, whatever you do in your is that what we look forward as a, a benefit to, for the purification? We're doing it for purification and we're doing it because that's what Krishna tells us to do. But we're not doing it to, that's it playing the Bhagavatam, that duty should not be done for sense gratification. It should be done for self-realization. Prabhupada was asked, if you had only one verse someone should learn, he picked that one from the Bhagavatam. There's one verse uh, by Narmuni to Yudhishthira um, Maharaj. How we cannot be uh, peaceful? 
But this was interesting because this is exactly what I was going to talk about in this. Was this helpful? Yes. One person says it's helpful. Everyone else is sleeping. It does go to all living entities. We become Surudam Saradehi. <coughs> just like Krishna is Surudam That's the idea of sannyas. Real sannyas doesn't mean that you stop the affection, it means you expand it. That what you feel for your family, sannyas doesn't mean you become hard hearted. It means that the, the affection you have for your family, you now feel that same affection for everyone. So it starts with Krishna. I mean, what Prabhupada told me in uh, 1976. So I was sitting in front of him with my child on my lap. He wasn't sleeping like that. And Prabhupada said, just like this mother is loving this child without any expectation of return, in that way you should love Krishna. And my father asked Prabhupada, he said, uh, will loving this child help her to love Krishna? Prabhupada said, no. He said, but loving Krishna will help her to love her child. He said, just like if you, feed, if you put good food in the stomach, you'll get good eyesight, and if you put food in your eyes, you'll become blind. <laughs> So now we're in illusion. We have this ahamma meti, and we're thinking these are mine, these are not mine. Why are we in illusion? Because we want to be in illusion. I have one of this one. This girl specializes in management, she said. To the imperial organization, like the multinational companies, we have division states. The objectives for the policy, the objectives, and the key performance indicators, the measurement of that, analysis, the development, the continuous process of it. They're so organized, and even the specifications mm -hmm. like outline, how to work, and the firma, everything is helping them to do a fantastic work. If they're good business, yeah. if they're well managed business. Uh, and actually, now the firma is a uh, bigger management consultant. The quality management. The quality management. Yeah. That's yeah. one of many. Some no, people no, like no, quality no, management, some people don't. No, no, the trend is very much. The trend is very much. They get into the American Constitution and advice gets to the management. And, uh, At least in American management schools, that's presented as one among many systems. But anyway, go on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this, uh, the Asian business is coming from Europe now. It's, uh, it's they, they're really pushing yeah, quality really management. Pushing because okay. the globalization that we have is worldwide. So they believe the auditors, the famous guys, 
Okay. So my point is that uh, when they go so much organized, and what we have done on the spiritual field, I find most of this financial construction, especially the areas where I know, uh, people are becoming very autocratic because uh, that's the way they have grown up this very, very obvious. Well, okay, this is a big topic and it's already late and this is a topic that's very dear to my heart and I could talk on for a very long time. So let me see if I could make it extremely brief. First of all, the GBC is moving more in that direction, uh, which is controversial, but they're engaging one devotee who's a very successful businessman to train them in things like, like vision and mission and strategic planning. So they are going more in that direction. And with some very good results, I, I would say. Another thing is that Srila Prabhupada and Bhakti Sanatya Sarasvati each warned us against two things, bureaucracy and centralization. And the problem with any organization is the, the older an organization is and the larger an organization is, the more it tends toward bureaucracy. So we have to be careful in taking on things <coughs> from the business management sector into Krishna consciousness that we don't uh, go into a bureaucratic model. So essentially, you have to, when you have a very big organization like Eastbound, which is multi-global, you have to <coughs> have systems in place. And, uh, yes, we had, you have to have systems in place. I mean, as I say, this is a big topic. Uh, I don't know if anybody will listen to me, so I don't even know if it's worthwhile to say anything. But my own recommendation is that we, we move towards an intentional ad hocracy form because right now we have a combination within some aspects of this kind of run like a machine bureaucracy, some are run like a professional bureaucracy, a few are run like a simple structure. And we have a few aspects that are run like an ad hocracy. My understanding is that a Brahminical uh, organization should be primarily an ad hocracy because otherwise you can't get rid of, that's the only form that doesn't have bureaucracy and centralization. But as far as having a vision and mission, strategies and benchmarks for quality, <coughs> first of all, we can each do that in our own lives. I think the first place to start for that is in our own life. What's my own personal vision? What's my own personal mission? What are my strategies to achieve that mission? What are the benchmarks? I was at a program in Bahrain, um, I think that has a little less in it. Is this water? What is it? Oh, coconut water. Oh, thank you. Tender coconut water, you said. Oh. Wow, thank you. Okay. Precious. So, so I was just going to say at this one meeting, so people wrote down questions in advance, and one of the questions that one person wrote down is, "What are the? How do I know whether or not I'm a devotee? What are the symptoms?" And for each question, I asked everyone how many people are interested in this question. So only two people were interested in that question. I said, "This is the most important question." <laughs> what are the benchmarks? How do I tell when I'm making advancement? What is the what is the quality control in my life? I should be I should know what the standards are. I should know what my vision is. Then I should develop strategies to achieve that vision. Then I should have benchmarks to tell whether or not those strategies are successful. 
If the strategies are not successful, then I should change my strategies. Yes, often what we do is my strategy isn't working, so I do it more. That's something like, you know, if I'm going to yell at you in English, then I think you'll understand. So if my strategies aren't working, that's what I said about being creative. Change your strategies. And you should be measuring your own progress. They say people only do what is measured. So at least you should measure. Now as far as the ISKCON organization, that's difficult. That's difficult. You know, each area is managed somewhat independently, which is what Prabhupada wanted. And, you know, different leaders in different places may be more or less knowledgeable. There's, if you go on Dundavats, there's an article, now it's there for a few weeks, so you have to really look for it, about the North Europe, about the European meeting of leaders. And you can, if you click on that article, there's a document which I wrote, which is a leader's self-evaluation. And one of the items there is how much do I know about organizational structure, how much do I know about management systems, and how much do I apply them. And the unfortunate fact is that very few of our leaders even know anything about these things. Very few of our leaders are trained in management, so they don't even know what organizational structure is. As they say, form follows function. You don't even know what organizational form is. How can I match form to function? what to speak of strategic planning and quality management, and they're not even familiar with these things. So how can you apply something you don't know? It's very difficult. So we have, it's, we have a wide variety. We have some places with expert management, and we have some places with, I hate to say, abominable management. I mean, I was at a temple a few months ago where I was talking about personal vision. And I asked the question, I said, what's the first thing you have to have in an organization? Nobody knew. I said, first thing is vision. And I said, does this temple have a vision? I said, not only should you have a vision, you should all know what the vision is. So I'm going to challenge you all, too. You have a community here. Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision? Do you? Yes. You have a vision for your community? <coughs> Do you have a vision statement? That's your vision for your. Most of us, yeah. Because it's a you're in, in Kerala? It's in the retirement plan immediately. So the reason you're here is to preach in Kerala. <laughs> Interesting vision. So you have no vision for here? No, it's going here. Here goes to hell, and you just want to preach well, in Kerala. So do you have a vision for here too? Yeah, here also it is there, but you know, we, we cannot permanently stay here. You cannot permanently stay anywhere in this world. <laughs> and you don't know how long you're going to live. Yeah, that's all the. Make sure you have some vision for today, also. Apart from that, okay. Apart from that, that is the high vision. Okay. Apart from that, you know, when we are here, we are doubly vision. That's why what is how is there? I see. Otherwise, no. Do you have a vision statement which you could all repeat? What's your vision statement? To serve Lord Krishna. That's a different one here than he said. His vision statement is to help in Kerala. So you don't have a unified vision statement. Yeah, I have a. So my suggestion yeah. is that you work together to get a vision statement for your community. 
And if you're experienced like this or someone else's experience like this, I mean, I'm leaving, unfortunately, or I'd be happy to work with you on it, and, but it takes months. So one of my mission statements is that this option that this is more about the literacy rather than building temples and uh, Yes, education. Not all this, but uh, this, uh, because that's the main stage. Uh, people should discuss about the five days. And then, I mean, that's sort of a thing to be there, because in the ordinary community we go, they talk all that, and then they will say, they'll say, hey, I mean, uh, population, exploitation, or whatever, not a exploitation, or a group of people, they talk about fighting the right thing, and the drama, the drama, which is the control of intelligence, and the educates, you know. This is the mainstream of society, even material society. And if we are not caring for that, we don't want to discuss about these topics. And then we want to only discuss how much money you collect and what you have done, this thing, that thing, the law, big deal. Yes, so our society is meant for hearing and chanting about Krishna. Therefore, definitely, education and culture should be supreme. So my suggestion is, first of all, each of you in your life should have a vision statement, and that vision should also be a vision that you can see it. And you should regularly meditate on what is your personal vision. What kind of person do I want to become? Whether you're here or you're Kerala or you're Russia, or what kind of person do I want to be? Suppose I know, suppose I saw the doctor today and he said you're going to die tomorrow. What kind of person would you want to be? What do you want to end up with? Focus on that vision and then structure your life with strategies and then evaluate yourself against that vision. So that's my first suggestion. Each person should do this. And then as a group, this is difficult, but as a group, come together and find a shared vision. So each of us are going to have some different opinions about vision, but there's some area in which you can all share. Get a shared vision for your group. Have someone lead that process who has some experience in these things, who knows how to do strategic planning and vision and mission statements. And then you get your vision. Then from your vision, you get your subordinate goals. Then from your goals, you get your strategies, how to achieve that goals. You make short-term <coughs> strategies, long-term strategies, and then you have some system for evaluating. At least, you know, it's certain your benchmarks. You evaluate at this stage, are, is this strategy, first of all, is the strategy working? How is it achieving my goal? And if it's not, I change my strategy. If it is, you know, maybe I can do more of it. Now this takes some work, but it means we're working anyway. It means that our work becomes more productive and focused. But you have to have someone lead this who knows what they're doing. That kind of management conferences on the management is absent everywhere. Well, make it present here. It's not absent everywhere. There are some places where it's present. There are some places in ISKCON where it's very <coughs> much alive and vibrant and very much present. So make it present here. For each little jivas, Work in your little corner. Make your corner an example. Just like Chaupati, everyone knows that Chaupati is an example of Vaishnava relationships. Everyone all over the world knows if you want to go to a place with sweet Vaishnava relationships, you go there. And there was a time, you know, that Radhana Swami, because of his working with Kirtananda Swami, was not part of his time. Did you know that? And now everyone accepts that he's a leader. And his example, everyone is following this. Everyone is going to learn from him how to do this. 
There's a lot of what they've done there has to do with management, yes. A lot of their success there because form follows function. If you want to have good Vaishnava relationships, you have to have an organizational form that supports that. You cannot divorce organizational form from function of the organization. So you have to decide what your vision is, what your priorities are, then you structure your organizational form to facilitate that. If your function is education and culture and hearing and chanting, you structure your organizational form for that. If your if your function is temple building and you structure your organizational form for that. That means you have to know something about organizational form and what organizational form is best for what function. That you have to have some knowledge. Most people don't have this knowledge. They don't even think about it. Don't think about it. So the organizational form there in Chalpati supports the function of Vaishnava relationships. It nourishes each other. There's, yes. There's a synergy. So, but, and it's very intentional. It's a genius. What was done there was, was absolute genius. So in the same way, you can decide what your vision is here. You then create a form of your organization that nurtures that vision. And then if you're successful, people will, the whole world will come and learn from you. Whether you're here or you're in Kerala or you're in wherever. So what experience can be replicated? Yes. Yes, but it has to be replicated according to culture. Just like you take seeds and you plant them in different places, you have to take in consideration the climate. Like here you can plant Tulsi outside. In London, all the Tulsis are in a greenhouse all year, all year. In many places you keep, like in, in where I was in North Carolina, we kept Tulsi inside in the winter and we move her outside in the summer. In London, they keep her inside 365 days a year. They never bring her outside. So how you're going to trans, you know, how you're going to move, this was one of Prabhupada's expertise, how he kept the Vedic culture and he adjusted for each culture also. So to just transplant, no, that's, that's suicide. You have to take in consideration the culture. You have to take into consideration the specific personalities involved. That particular location, that particular, particular vision. Within the bigger umbrella of the Hare Krishna movement, each center can have a different vision. We don't all have the same vision. Each project has a somewhat different vision. That's that's all right. And each individual is going to have a somewhat different vision. And as we realize our Siddhadeya, our vision is going to get more and more individual. One of us has a service of bringing Radha and Krishna water. One of us has a service of fanning them with the chamara. One of this becomes revealed by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. So each of us is going to have a somewhat different individual vision. And each, that's okay. As long as it's within the, the umbrella. You follow? Yeah. So, no, you cannot just replicate. That's, even one person to another, you cannot just replicate. I cannot say the way I study Prabhupada's books, you have to study the same way. Okay? Is there anything else, or are people like wanting to kill me for going so late? Or? <laughs> we only hope and pray that uh, we take over so many of the least responsibilities. 
No. Don't ask that. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I, I, um, I'm one of the advisors to the GBC. I'm part of the Shastrik Advisory Council that gives advice to the GBC when they ask for it, on subjects they ask for, that we agree to do. And then they're free to accept or reject our advice audit, as they like. They're working on that. They're working on that. But, uh, you know, I try to write some things and Anything else anybody want to ask? And that's the only, that's a place I'm not going. No one arranged for me to go there. No, I mean, I'm just telling about the organization and what, what I heard. That there, you know, the system is running in Bhaktivedanta Shastra And there is Maha Chakra and the Chakrapati and the Pachakrapati. That Chakrapati. system. Yeah. Chakrapati. I mean, this is the system. That's Krishna. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the Pachakrapati and you know, the cell ligands, the internal ligands. That system it works very nicely because there is a head and the supporters and the systematic attention that works very nicely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, here we are not able to do it because, as you said, there should be a leader and the followers and the systematic <coughs> should be somehow this lacking here. That's why we are not progressing. You may need a different structure here. Yeah, the soil and climate. The soil and climate may be different here. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about here to say. But maybe that model is, is good here, and you need to find out how to do that model here. And maybe you need a different model here. Or maybe the way that you do Bhakti Riksha will be different here. Maybe you'll do the Bhakti Riksha program, but differently here. Or maybe you do a different kind of program. So one thing, because I travel a lot, I see that different things are successful in different places. What is more successful if you can detect that so far? <coughs> well, my... I mean, progress is there, but it is all scattered. First, you have to decide where you want to go. They say if you don't know where you're going, you probably won't get there. Why they left it so accelerated? We don't know where you're Running, running, you don't know where you're going. So first, you've got to decide where you want to go. What are your goals? What's your vision? You know, if your vision is all Kerala, then maybe all you want to do is work 24 hours a day and earn money and send it to Kerala, and you don't want to sit down and read Bhagavad Gita. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to decide, what is my vision? Where am I going? What do I want to achieve? Then you decide what form, Bhakti Vriksha is a form. It's an organizational form. You decide what form will best suit our function. And that's going to change from one place to another because you're going to have different functions. So to say that the reason we're not successful is we're not following that form, maybe that's correct. If you have the same vision they have there and you have the same circumstances they have there, then that may be correct. 
but if you have a different vision in different circumstances, then that may not be correct. Different things work well in different places. And it, it, it's not only the places, it's the people that are involved. Sometimes in order to make a program successful, you need a certain kind of person, and that certain kind of person just doesn't exist there. that you have to work with the people that you have. And that's okay. Some people are, you know, some places are more like creative artist places. <laughs> some places are more structured places. Yes, and that's okay. But you should come to, my suggestion, as you like, my suggestion is that you come together and you come up with some vision you can all share. That will not be an easy, fast process. You may even yell at each other a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> you need someone facilitating it. And then you decide, okay, what can we best do to, to achieve that vision that will work for us? It's got to be something that will work for you. If you have a wonderful strategy, but it's not in harmony with your life, it's useless and it's just discouraging. If you say, my strategy is... I'm only going to sleep two hours, I'm going to chant 64 rounds, I'm going to read Prabhupada's books five hours a day, and I'm going to work 12 hours at a job. Uh, it won't work, and then you'll become discouraged, and you'll think Krishna consciousness doesn't work. So you, come up, you have to come up with some strategies that work for your situation and that you're willing to do. Does that make sense? They may not be the best strategies, but they'll be the best strategies for you. Do what's best for you, not what's best in theory. Just like the fastest way uh, to travel is by plane. But if you don't own a plane, or you don't know how to fly, then if you fly, you may crash. Maybe for you, the fastest way is by car. And if you don't know how to drive, maybe the fastest way is by bicycle. And if you don't even own a bicycle, maybe the fastest way is to walk. So the person who's walking is going to get there faster than the person who crashes their plane. So if you take the person who crashes their plane, they're in the hospital recovering, and the person who walks, they've gotten there. Okay? So what's best for your circumstances is what am I able to do? What am I willing to do? We have to be honest. How much am I actually willing to do? Is this helpful for you? It's helpful for you. Do this and you'll be a model to the whole world. Hardly anybody asks me these kind of questions. I'm so I'm always looking for someone who's going to ask me these sort of questions. Hardly anybody asks. Yeah, very it's very, very, very rare. Yeah, some questions you get asked over and over and over and over and over again. You feel like you just find the right tape, you know. This is this is rare. I hear this one in a ten thousand times. So I'm very gratified that you're asking this question. Okay, I think we should stop now for sure. Thank you very much. I'm sorry things went so late.